Blog Talk Radio. Calling all men, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am so enthusiastic to tell you about today's show. We're talking about overturned Roe versus Wade with a federal law that has stayed on the books for almost 50 years. People today are more divided than ever over this historic Supreme Court decision. Should women have reproductive rights but no rights when it comes to a virus? Should the feds control your body? Where do you stand on this important issue? That's what we're talking about today. Join my special guest today, Patrick, to discuss this further. I think that the problem that we run into when these types of things get repealed is that there's so much change has occurred in the social fabric that it takes on a much bigger meaning. And as you alluded to, these are men making this decision. Mm-hmm. Back then. Now, Yeah. Now, women had an opinion about it, and that was during the time of, what what did they call it, the ERA, Equal Rights Amendment. It was post-civil rights, because that was in the 60s. So there was a lot of change that was going on in the country. And at the time, Roe v. Wade was seen as something that was very progressive. It was like, all right, this isn't going to be illegal anymore. This is a woman's right to choose with whoever her significant other is, slash husband, whatever the case may be, it's their decision. Now, as you said, some 50 years later, now we've just rolled the thing completely back. And it's like, all right, we're just going to let the states decide how this is going to go. And we already know how that's going to work. We know how that's going to work. There's going to be some states that are like, hey, we're not changing anything. It's still legal. There's going to be some states where, no, it's going to be illegal. There's a person running for governor in the state that I'm at in Georgia who's been running this campaign on this commercial for I don't know how long where he wants to institute a law where it becomes illegal. And if a woman gets and somebody else may be able to correct me on this if I'm saying it incorrectly, a woman can get up to 10 years in prison. 10 years. Wow. Now, that's serious business, if you ask me. Right. On something that was one way. Yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you can go to jail for it. Yeah. And we're talking about for a significant amount of time. Mm -hmm. And for the general public, just us everyday people, to me, that's a dangerous proposition. I agree with you there. I don't think we should go from one extreme to another It turns out that all the states have something on their books about what their position is on abortion. So according to an NBC article that I just read, it said that 40 states support legal abortion. 
Now they might be all over the map. One state might say six weeks, the other one like Mississippi says 15 weeks and another one set, like California says, there's no end date. You could have it up until <laughs> you give birth. But apparently 40 states do support legal abortion. So I guess if we're going to give the carte blanche back to the states, we need to be in agreement as to what is that dividing line. I mean, to make it illegal and a penalty for someone who gets an abortion, I, I agree with you there. I think that's taking it too far and it shouldn't be that strict. And plus, it wasn't just her. I mean, the man was involved, too. He had to donate his sperm. Correct. Correct. So I'm sure that gubernatorial campaigner, he's not talking about the man. <laughs> he's just talking about not her. Exactly. Okay, so I, I don't I don't like that lopsided thinking. That's that's not right. Yeah, but but here's the tricky part, Linda. When we leave something up to the state, then it just at that point it's just it just depends on where you live. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in what's considered the Bible Belt. Now, I didn't, I wasn't born and raised in Georgia. Mm -hmm. I moved to Georgia from California, which is where I was born and raised. So I see both ends of the spectrum. I come from a state that is, on the one hand, it's very liberal about certain things. But what a lot of people don't understand about California, it's very conservative about a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So it has a tendency to be ahead of the curve on certain issues, like when you're talking about marijuana and things like that. Okay. Now, California is way ahead on that because California's largest cash crop mm -hmm. is marijuana. And a lot of people don't know California is an agrarian state with the exception of Northern California, which is the Bay Area, and Southern California, which is Los Angeles and San Diego going into the Mexican border, the large majority of the state is farmland. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all it is. So between the Bay Area, which is San Francisco slash Oakland, and Los Angeles, which is almost 600 miles, it's all farmland. It's all agriculture. Right. So the things that benefit California, it'll be very liberal about. The things that California wants to control, it'll be very conservative about, which is different from a lot of states. Because here in Georgia, since it's considered the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. Georgia just wants to be conservative across the board. Now, if you've ever been to Georgia, if you ever lived in Georgia, you'll find out it's not exactly the way that it appears in its conservatism. Hmm. But it does go along grudgingly as time passes. Okay. And I think that as we are talking about this, it's, it's going to be different from state to state. Now, I know that a lot of this law is going to be based on the term of the pregnancy, whether a woman is in the first trimester, second trimester, or third trimester. It's all going to depend on those three phases in terms of how they're going to levy all of this stuff. Will the states be consistent about that? That part of it? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I have no clue. Yeah. 
What's your opinion? What do you think is fair? Because I know states like New York and California, they want to make what's called post-term abortion to be legal, meaning that after the baby is born, she and the doctor, the, the mom and the doctor have another 30 days after the baby is born to terminate that life. And then we have states that say, you better make up your mind in six weeks. So <laughs> what's your position? If you were sitting on the court, what do you think would be fair? Ooh, that's a toughie. See, because I think after the baby has already come out, I mean, come on now, that's murder. The baby mm. is already out. Why are you would, still calling it abortion? <laughs> I, would, I would definitely lean in that direction because technically that's not an abortion as we understand abortion. But see, as I was stating earlier, to me, this is the danger with this type of legislation, because now you get to start moving the goalposts. As you just said, somewhere, some state, they got up until so many days after the baby's born. Well, that's like closing the barn door after the horses have gotten out. Right. What, what's, the, what's the point? <laughs> he's already time, he's already at the neighbors or, and beyond. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> the horses are gone. And then here comes somebody. Oh, close the barn door. Close the barn door. Well, for what? There's nothing in there. Yeah. It's pointless at that juncture. But I think that this is where it gets, it turns into a real gray area. What you just brought up. This is my fear. The water gets real muddy. It gets real complicated. So when you have people who take the moral high ground, meaning, well, I'm, I'm pro-life. Well, I'm pro-choice. Well, according to the Bible, this. Well, according to this is, is that. That's where we get off in the weeds with this whole thing, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So if I'm sitting in a court of law trying to adjudicate something like this, yeah, my approach to it is going to be much more, I don't even want to use the term liberal or conservative. I'm just going to pick it up from where you left off. If the baby is born, we're, we're not talking about abortion anymore. That's out the window. That's completely gone. But they're so, trying to they're trying to make it new math. They're trying to say two right. plus two is five. It's not right. five. It's murder. I mean, come right. on. Under what planet is that not murder? And that's what I would lean towards is what you're talking about. If the baby is born and we're still talking about abortion, now we're talking about the wrong thing. To me, that's my opinion. We're talking about the wrong thing because... It doesn't take that long to make a decision. And I'm not saying it's an easy decision to make. However, it's up to, and maybe there needs to be a, a line drawn in the sand. By month six, come on, we haven't made a decision. And I'm, when I say we, I'm talking about me and the other woman. By the sixth month, we haven't made a decision on this yet. Yeah, that's two thirds of the way there. Like nine yeah. months. So month six is you're really deep, deep, deep into it. Yeah. And now basically, I mean, technically you're taking a life, but at six months, you're taking a life that's really developed at that point. And what the doctors call viable. In other words, the baby could live on its own. If, exactly. the, if the mom abandoned the baby, baby could live on its own at that juncture. Exactly. And I, I think that's the real danger with this whole situation. Yeah. 
I wanted to share some of the slides. Everything that you see in red, they want to restrict abortion. Basically, it's the center of the U.S. Primarily, it's the coastal states, California, New York, and the like. It's the coastal states that are perfectly fine with abortion, with the exception of Colorado in the middle, New Mexico in the middle, Kansas, I think, in the Midwest. Those are kind of the exceptions, the ones that are in grayish blue. That's usually how it works, though. Yeah. That's so how it works. It seems like people who are in the news right now, they're screaming and yelling up and down, and they're all from the blue states. So what are you screaming for? California is going crazy. California is not changing their abortion laws whatsoever. So, I mean, if you're going to complain, go complain in one of these red states, not in California. Kind of crazy. Well, that's basically, I mean, how this is all, all going to come out in the wash. Yeah. Because basically, it's, it's just the beginning. And then you get people who are extreme in their views, whether it's on one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. Because I remember there were years ago, I think it was like in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. where people were like going to clinics that gave abortions and protesting outside and attacking doctors and just doing all this crazy stuff. Right. And it's like, I mean, you don't even know these people. How does it even get to that point? How am I going to get mad at someone I don't even know for doing something that basically is their job to do? Well, when the overturn first came out, there were quite a few Planned Parenthood places which do administer abortions. They were burned down, (laughs) burned down, vandalized, or or worse. See, there you go. And the Supreme Court justices, you know, people in Congress said, go to the people's homes and protest, which is completely against the law. I don't know why they would advocate anything like that, but nothing happens to these people. So some of our top Congress people said, go to the justice's house. And they're still there. (laughs) The protesters are still at the person's house. I mean, can you imagine trying to drive your kid to school and you've got like 200 people outside your living room window? It's very scary. Yes, it is. It is. And that's the problem with all of this is that, oh, you just, you're opening up this Pandora's box of almost where you just have anarchy going on. It's just like whatever a person decides, all right, that's what I'm going to go do. I don't care what the consequences are. (laughs) I don't care who I hurt in the process. Right. This is just not right. I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't think are right, but it doesn't give me the right to impose my will and my moral code on the next person. Right. And that's just the way that I view things. I have no right to do that. Whether I believe in abortion or not is immaterial. I don't have the right to tell some woman 2,000 miles away, I don't know her situation, I don't know who she's dealing with, but I feel like I'm on this moral high ground where I can tell her how she's supposed to live her life, and I'm not even part of her life. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. Right. To me, it doesn't. That's just how I see it. It makes no sense to me. I gotcha. Well, if it were up to me, if I were one of those justices, I do believe in abortion. I don't believe in an endless time limit. I don't believe in that. 
there are some states that are super strict. They say within six weeks, you have to decide. I think six weeks is almost a little too fast. So six weeks, she's missed one period, almost not enough time. I say give it two periods, give it two months. So let's call that eight weeks and then throw in another cushion, another two weeks past that. So let's call it 10 weeks altogether. So I think within 10 weeks, you should be able to know whether you want to go through with this pregnancy or not. I think the exception to the rule, if they make 10 week be the standard, the exception to the rule is at month five, you can get genetic testing. It's called amniocentesis. So they can't do that earlier because that's just how it goes. That's just the timeline of when those issues, uh, the DNA can be determined, whether the baby has a genetic issue. So at month five, the exception to the rule could be that there is a genetic defect or that the pregnancy is in some way harmful or would cause injury or death to the mom. So I think that's the five-month exception, just those two things. Yeah, and the states that say no abortion across the board, I don't believe in that either, because what if the mom was raped? So I think there should be an exception for that because that was against her will. So I don't think she should be held hostage for some raper's baby. I think that would be fair. So the people who want to stretch it in either direction, way past that 10-week mark, I don't know. I just don't, doesn't sit well with me. Well, I think also, I just personally, I think women are more qualified to address those issues that you brought up. See, that stuff, everything that you just talked about, Yeah. I don't know any of that stuff, okay? Not because I don't pay attention to it or... I don't care if I'm not a woman. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be much more aware and cognizant from a physiological point and will take into account more information than me as a man would. Okay, well, how far along are you? Were you raped? Yes or no? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that I'm some knuckle dragging Neanderthal, but mm-hmm. as a man, the way that I'm going to view it is going to just be so simplistic. Right. How far along are you? Was, you know, was this a situation where you were with this person and this happened, whether it was an accident or not, or were you violated in some sort of way? That's basically where my decision is going to land. Now, from all of the other things that go on, I would need someone like you to explain that to me Mm -hmm. so that I could make a more educated decision Mm -hmm. because there's no way for me to do that when I can't factor in as many things as you can factor in. Right. Just based on gender alone. Okay. You're going to be able to factor in way more information than I can, which means that in the decision-making process, your decision is probably going to be better than mine. I fully agree with you there, but then they're going to say they can't leave the decision just up to women because that would be sexist. And our laws don't allow for just female-only vote on this topic, that men have to be involved. And some of the men might say, well, I have firsthand knowledge of an abortion, or my woman decided to have an abortion without my consent or without my approval, and I didn't like that because I wanted to keep the baby. So at the moment, the way our laws are written is the man has no rights whatsoever. So if she wants to terminate, 
it's solely her decision. If she wants to keep it, it's solely her decision, even though she's making a commitment for nine months. But if she keeps it, he's on the hook for another 21 years. So there's a lot of things about this issue that are not fair. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I wish I could write the code on this because I think I could find some middle ground with all these issues. It doesn't have to be all over the map like it is now. I mean, it's like, look at the thousand driving laws. You know, when you come to a stop sign, stop. Doesn't matter what time of day it is, stop. Because you don't know who's coming in the intersection. You don't know who might plow into you and T-bone you. Just stop. And for most drivers, most drivers do that. They might think it's a stupid law, but they adhere to certain rules of the road, so to speak. And I think we could boil it down to certain parameters, like I said, genetic defect or rape or injury to the mom. I think we can boil it down pretty succinctly. It's kind of weird that it's the laws are so all over the board on this topic. They don't need to be, in my opinion. No, they don't. But I think that that's by design. I don't think there's no accident. I agree. I agree. When we come back, I want to talk about Black women who are at a disadvantage. The Gutman Institute confirms that a Black mother is five times more likely to get an abortion than a white mother. And check out this stat. In New York City... In years 2015 and 2018, more Black babies were aborted than born. So how does this decision affect them and why is this a racial issue? I have my thoughts on why it is, but it'd be nice to hear your thoughts on this topic too. So what do you think, Patrick? You think this is unfairly targeting Black mothers to where now they can't get an abortion where they formerly were? That's one question. And the other question is, why are they five times more likely to even get an abortion? Well, that's a loaded question. (laughs) When I was in college, I took a class called Race and Public Policy. Mm -hmm. And it was an elective for me. So it was extremely fascinating in the sense that To the casual observer, we don't really understand how a lot of things are done that on the surface is for everybody, but below the surface becomes highly impactful for certain socioeconomic groups. That was exactly going to be my answer. It's, I think the reason why the number is five times, not necessarily that she's black, but this could apply to any poor female, is that there are socioeconomic decisions and she flat out can barely put food on her own table, let alone feed another mouth. So I think exactly. that definitely has an impact on this. That's how the issue kind of gets clouded and becomes like this racial football that gets kicked back and forth. Because Mm -hmm. if you put any group of people, whoever they are, at the bottom of the socioeconomic structure, they're going to be susceptible to way more than people who are not a part of that. Here's a person I want to use a perfect example. And he might have passed. He might still be alive. I'll never forget this. I remember when Michael Douglas... I think he was married to Catherine Zeta-Jones. I think he still is. Okay. 
she got pregnant when he was 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Now think about that. 60 years old. How many people who are not in his income strata are trying to bring another life into this world at 60? Their minds are focused on, all right, social security, retirement, if I even have it. Probably more worried about social security because that's five years away, I think, 65. Mm -hmm. And just trying to stay above water in the twilight years of their life. But we're talking about a person who's an actor, whose father was an actor, whose whole family grew up in that. So he has a completely different lifestyle, meaning that his view of the world is completely different. So for him and his wife, hey... I'm 45, you're 60, no biggie. Right. Let's have a baby. Very few people have that luxury. Right. And that's a luxury. Absolutely. Going back to what you're saying before, I remember that statistic too, because I read that some years ago about New York City and how they demographically broke down the abortion rate and how... We will catch you right back after the break. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women, too. Hi, guys. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show. Linda Gross wants you to know what turns a woman on and makes her go wild so she just can't help herself. Check out Linda's book, Mastering Women, Real Truth About Women That'll Change Your Life Forever. Linda gives you all the insider tips on how to catch a woman and, if you want, to keep her. In four easy steps, these proven techniques will make women just melt. Ever wonder why the girl you really liked seemed to be great when you met, then all of a sudden just goes cold on you and turns you off? Linda will also let you know what not to do on a date. Never blow it again by losing another hot woman. You don't have to be good looking or even have money. Her book, Mastering Women, is available in paperback and ebook. Men, Linda's on your side. So buy her book, Mastering Women. Buy it for now. And don't keep your women waiting another minute. Get Mastering Women today. You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I'm back. Hi, Patrick. We were talking about the Black mothers in New York. So, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? We're talking about the social economic condition of, you know, somebody like Douglas, who's 60 years old. You already had a previous family of grown offspring. (laughs) What does he need to bring in new life? But I guess she wanted to have a couple of more babies. So that's how it goes. So they had the luxury of making the decision to go ahead with that. And they have the ability. Right. To take care of it, right. even in their advancing age. So economics doesn't play a role. 
Mm-hmm. Education doesn't play a role. None of that gets factored in. Matter of fact, there's probably a nanny. Mm-hmm. Okay, the child's going to be able to go to any school that they want the child to go to. Right. It's not going to matter. So all of those basic fundamental factors that people have to take into account when they're bringing a life into the world, that doesn't exist for people like that. Right. And that creates a whole different dynamic. So when we get into this whole idea of the statistics and Black women falling into this category at a greater number Mm -hmm. than other women, okay? Well, what's their economic status? What's their level of education? Okay, what's their lifestyle? Because these are all determining factors Mm -hmm. when you start talking about having children. And people who don't have to even think about those things, they're not on some timeline of when they got to create offspring. Mm -hmm. They can do it at their leisure, at their luxury, whenever they feel up to it. So Michael Douglas, at the time he was 60, who knows, the baby might have had a brother or a sister that was grown already. This happens a lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 30 something years old. Yeah. You know, I got my sister's 30 something years old. So to me, it becomes misleading because it takes people off the beaten path. And then we get into these discussions about race when it's about economics more than it is anything else. So the number one reason why people fall into poverty is having offspring that you can't afford. If you are a somewhat thinking person and you know this and you know you're down in the dumps or between jobs or at the poverty level, why not not have kids? I mean, why not put that condom on? Why not take birth control? A lot of these Planned Parenthood places offer it for free, the condoms and the birth control. Why not do that until such time you can pull yourself out of economic danger? Why not? Yes, it feels pleasurable. Yes, you're going to have 15 seconds of fun. But why not be a little more proactive with that subject. If it's going to keep you in poverty for the next three or four decades, why would you do that? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't get married until I was 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And I only have one biological son. Now, I've, I've been in relationships where women had children or a child, not children, but a child. And that's how I did it. And that's how I looked at it. There weren't going to be any accidents when my wife at the time, that was a conscious decision that we made. Mm-hmm. So when I was in my 20s, I was too busy doing things that a 20-year-old does right. from 20 to 30 to where I wasn't trying to be a father or even trying to be a parent at that age. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had an answer for a question like that that you asked, because like I told you, That's how I looked at it. I wasn't trying to be no father at 21, 22, 3, 4, 5, on down the line. I wasn't trying to do that. No. You had things to do. Exactly. And even if the person doesn't have things to do, don't you want to like live it up and live in your 20s? Exactly. Who wants to be tied down and, you know, have to be at home on a Friday night when all your friends are partying down the street? Who wants to do that? I mean, it's really just shooting yourself in the foot. 
I love the message that you got. I don't know who you got it from, but I got the same message. It's, you know, it's called delayed gratification that you can have the baby, just not right now. Just get some of these priorities in gear and set yourself up a little bit to where you're not that statistic where five times as many women are heading to the abortion clinic. Even when you got it all planned out. Right. You still don't know how it's going to work. No, no, you're right. At the end of the day, I mean, I didn't get married till I was 32. I still ended up getting divorced. Yeah. That wasn't the plan, but that's what happened. Right. And then the next thing, now I got to pay child support and I got to do all of this stuff, which to me, I didn't have an issue with that because I did that. I made sure that my son and her son from a previous relationship, I made sure that I kept them on my benefits. I bought them school clothes, both of them, haircuts, extracurricular activities. I paid for all of that. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a problem for me. But somewhere in that whole dynamic, the apple cart gets turned over. And then you just have a situation that just goes, it just either goes left or right. It just goes off the rails for Mm -hmm. so many people. Now the guy is arguing with the female. The female's arguing with the guy. He's pissed off because now he's got to pay all this money. So now he resents the woman. The woman resents him because this is your responsibility. And you just get caught up in this whole web of just craziness. And one thing I let my ex-wife know, one thing we're not going to do, we're not going to argue over money. We're not going to argue over what my responsibility is, not only to my son, but to your son as well. And I refuse to do it. Mm -hmm. I just refused. Mm -hmm. That's me though. Right. I don't expect other people to be that way, but that's how I dealt with it. Right. Well, to test out this theory, I guess in the state of Colorado, they had just an exorbitant amount of teenage pregnancies. So they did an experiment for five years. They had free birth control. Just give it to the teens for free. Condoms, birth control, you name it, whatever you want. No questions asked. Just stop by the health office and pick up whatever you want, whenever you want, how frequently you want. Well, in a period of, I think, like two years, one or two years, the teenage pregnancy rate dropped by 50%. 50%. So now it's well below whatever the national average is. So I think we're singling out Black moms. We're singling out those who are in New York, which is already a very expensive place to live. But I think one way around the abortion issue is prevention is worth a pound of cure, as they say. Just give them free birth control. That would solve (laughs) 90% of the problem right there. But then you're going to have a group of people, Linda, that will tell you, okay, well, this is just going to lead to sexually deviant behavior. Not saying it's true. Not saying it's true. Yeah. But then you get that argument starts to rear its ugly head. Oh, okay. So you're just telling young people it's just okay to have sex. And it's like, well, no. What we're saying is whether you decide to do this or not, you can be responsible about it. That argument will get lost because then you'll have people who, whatever their background is and their upbringing is, now we're morally corrupting the young people because we're telling them it's okay 
to just go out and have sex and have as many partners as you want. And there is no responsibility. I don't agree with that. I'm just presenting mm-hmm. that side of the argument. That's all I'm saying. I think that's a valid argument. And that's why they made it an office that was no questions asked. Here was this office with nobody there to judge you. And I'm sure there's a lot of students that took the goods and maybe they never even used it for five years. (laughs) They just took it just in case, but that doesn't mean necessarily that there's causation. It doesn't mean necessarily that you had unprotected sex. Maybe it could in a certain percentage of people, but the ones that it did affect, well, you'd be on them because it affected them in a positive way. They didn't have to have an abortion. Agreed. Or they didn't have to raise a kid at age 14, 15, whatever, that they really didn't want. And there are children that are, I don't know how, well, I do know how they get their puberty so early, but there are case studies where the girl is eight years old, nine years old, getting pregnant. So now what happens to that child? I mean, they almost always don't give it away. They don't put it up for adoption. So guess what? Mom or grandma has to take care of something that happened in your life, in your eight-year-old little life. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I agree with that wholeheartedly. It's going to be interesting to see where all of this goes. Mm -hmm. Because basically, we're just at the tip of the iceberg with this whole situation. Right. Right. So I think everything that we're talking about, it makes it all fair game now. Yeah. Okay. So it makes, like you were saying, the the whole birth control element. Now they can ramp that up because now there's consequences if you get pregnant, depending upon what state you live in. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay for the very state that's saying that there's consequences. Do you make more things available to the young people so that they don't fall into the situation to begin with? Are you going to do that as well? And it's like, well, we don't know. I would be that person. I'm totally in favor of what Colorado did. I would be that person because I think prevention Although the decision-making process for prevention, I'm sure it's a whole pile of different things you got to think about, but to not do that, it's a thousand times more, thousand times more consequences you have to deal with after the baby's already here and it's a baby you don't want or can't afford, same thing. So, and then how was that young kid going to grow up knowing that he or she is unwanted emotionally, spiritually, psychologically? I'm sure that's horrendous on somebody's psyche to know that you're not wanted. I mean, maybe some mothers don't really tell you, maybe their actions tell you (laughs) that you're not wanted, but that's pretty damning too. I wouldn't want to live in that environment. But I think that everything we're talking about, all of that comes into play now. Yeah. Because everything is going to depend on what state you live in. That's going to be the deciding factor. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be the determining factor. And it's like, okay, if you're in California, if you're in New York, you're all right. And when I say you're all right, you're all right in the sense that nothing is drastically going to change. Mm -hmm. But then when we look at the whole rest of the country, (laughs) which is going to be the majority of the states, I mean, we say California and New York. We only talk about two states. Mm -hmm. That's nothing. What about the other 48? Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Well, (laughs) 
good old California, they don't want you to feel any distress whatsoever. So what California is going to do is if you live in a state that doesn't agree with abortion laws, they will fly you to California on their dime and they will pay for the abortion. So companies like Disney, Comcast, and Starbucks have already made announcements like, don't worry, we're going to fly you out. That's interesting. Yep. All expenses paid. Didn't hear about that one. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind of firestorm is that going to create? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Can you imagine that? All of a sudden, now you got people who are buying, who not even buying. They're just getting trips to California. Now that's going to raise a red flag. Oh, well, what are you going out there for? That's why I keep saying this is so much bigger. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you're going to have all of these things start coming into play. Because if you're in an extremely conservative state, and all of a sudden, you're going to California. Is it safe to say nobody's going to ask why? We just assume that? First of all, it's none of their business. And second of all, I'm sure people are going to pull a white lie. Starbucks? Yeah. I'm going to go for a job interview in California with Starbucks. Yeah, that's it. And then you're gone for three days, and then they ship you back on Monday. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sounds good. It sounds good. I mean, they're um, already preparing. I mean, this is the same state that wants to pass the post-term abortion. I hate when they call it abortion. But, you know, this is, they're very, very liberal here in California. It wasn't this way when you left California, but it certainly is now. So they've thought this all through. They're going to take yeah, care of you. Yeah, and and I guess somehow, some way, this has got to be creating a whole new stream of revenue for somebody or some entity, somewhere, some way, somehow. It's always been about money. I mean, the reason why they've been fighting not overturning this decision is due to money. Abortions are big business, very big business. So right. they don't want to close down all those Planned Parenthoods. I guess in many states, they'll have to close them down. I don't know. They don't want to close that down. They don't want to, it's a medical procedure. So it's almost like saying, oh, well, we discovered the cure for cancer. So all the millions of people that have cancer, I guess we won't make that money anymore. So yeah, no, it's big business. It's don't kid yourself. A lot of people are making a lot of money over abortion. More than the abortion itself, you can use your imagination of where I'm going, or you can send me an email or whatever, and I'll tell you privately what I think about all that or what I know about all that. But yeah, a lot of people are making money over this. Yeah, that's usually what it boils down to in the end. Right. That's why they want to keep it. That's why they want to keep. They want to keep the abortion law on the books. They want to keep it federal because there's a lot of people who profit from having it be on the books. And for 50 years, they did a great job of keeping it on the books. This isn't the first time it came up. I mean, like once every five or six, seven years, it comes up, right? Yeah. yeah, So this is the first time in 50 years that it's actually passed. It's actually been overturned, but they have tried to, they've tried to overturn it many times, but they weren't successful. Just like they were trying to prosecute tobacco companies and blamed that the contents of their cigarettes were causing cancer. 
they fought that one off for like 50 years too, until finally some attorney had the genius idea with a different approach. And the way that he won that trial was he called it a transportate, the cigarette was a transportation device. It was a transportation device that transported the chemicals that were in the cigarettes, which caused the cancer, into the person's body. So much like a syringe that is filled with liquid medicine or whatever, it's a transportation device to get it into the human, to get it into the body. And that's how he finally won the case. So, yeah, I mean, they put 57 chemicals in cigarettes and everyone keeps saying, oh, you know, tobacco is bad for you. Tobacco is not bad for you. Tobacco is a God made plant. It's not bad for you inherently. It's all the chemicals they put in the cigarette. That's the part that's bad for you. That's the part that was causing cancer. Right. So anyway, with regard to the abortion thing, trust me, there are tens of thousands of people who are, if not more than that number, are making big bucks. It's like, keep the abortions coming. They're making big money off of it. Why not keep that alive? Well, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. The whole idea of repealing it, though, I'm not understanding how that was even allowed to happen with what you're saying, with so much money behind it. That is kind of, it's kind of a conundrum, but luckily in recent years, they put judges on the panel who were expert at constitutional law. And in my opinion, the birth control pill was invented in 1962 and they did a bunch of testing, you know, the test, you know, have to go through like five years of testing, make sure it's all safe and kosher and it's not going to kill anybody. You know, they go through that and then there's all kinds of other hoops and paperwork you got to go through. So by the time it got into the average woman's hands, it was the early 70s. It was like 1970, 1971. So when this law passed in 1973, I think the judges at the time, and who knows, maybe they were paid off back then too. But anyway, the judges at the time got so caught up in, isn't this a wonderful thing? Because now a woman has control over her own body, whereas before the pill, she did not. It would just be a crapshoot whether she was going to get pregnant that month or not. But by taking the pill, she could delay pregnancy. So she could continue on with her education or go into the job market or go traveling or like whatever her heart's desire was, she could delay mother nature. She could delay that time clock. So anyway, I think the judges at the time, they sort of got all brainwashed. It's been hundreds of thousands of years that we have had to succumb to mother nature. And now we outsmarted it with this little pill. So isn't this great? So the law was ruled in abortion's favor, I think, mistakenly. It was not constitutional. They just got wrapped up in the sentiment at the time. And so now it's taken all these years to undo it, saying it never was legal in the first place. Right. Makes sense. So, yeah, (laughs) there was a, a video that I saw. Maybe when I repost this, I'll insert the video. 
anyway, there was this video of this lady and she's going to an outside brick wall of a fire station and there is a drop box there you know one of those metal drop boxes when you drop off clothes in the middle of the night at goodwill yeah. it's like it's a big handled drop box and what you can do is you can pull this big handle it kind of looks like it's about two feet wide much like one of those goodwill drop boxes pull the handle, you put the baby there and you let go of the handle and the baby rolls on the other side of that brick wall is the fire station. And I guess there's a sensor on the other side. So it sets off an alarm and somebody on the inside of the fire station knows that there was a drop off. <laughs> and so no questions asked. They're not asking who the mother is and she can have the baby and take it to one of these safe haven type places. When a parent walks up to one of our safe haven baby boxes, all they have to do is open the door, take the orange bag, place her newborn inside and shut the door. This door actually locks. I cannot open this door right now when a baby is placed inside. And that is a safety feature of this box. No one can come behind us and take this child. The child will be picked up within about two minutes from the fire two department minutes. personnel that is inside this fire. There you go. So I guess that could be an option. Yeah, but as we're stating, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all shakes out as time goes on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's always been the case where you could like drop it off at a church, right? Or drop it off at a hospital. I mean, I suppose you could go in disguise. You could probably put a scarf over your head and big glasses or I don't know what. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that nobody's asking who you are, because in this day and age of DNA, it seems like the offspring always wants to know who you are just for like medical reasons. Let's say he or she grows up and he's 45 years old and has some sort of medical condition. It's nice to know where that DNA came from. So the fact that it's no questions asked, I, in a way, I kind of don't believe that. But OK, we'll, we'll go with that story. Yeah. Well, in the end, I just hope that it has the right effect for the right people whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah. For those who, because as you've already laid out, it's not going to be a situation where people are not going to be able to get the abortion. Right. They just might have to do a little traveling. Right. That's all. And I watched a video recently from Jane Rowe. That was her pseudonym that they named her in court to not reveal who she really was. She did her uh, video from like the late 1960s. She said, I never had an abortion. And she says, I have three beautiful, healthy kids, none of whom were aborted, obviously. And she says, I was paid off by politicians to say exactly what they wanted me to say on camera. And I did. And so I had three kids and I needed the money. So I said yes. The Supreme Court today ruled that abortion is completely a private matter to be decided by mother and doctor in the first three months of pregnancy. She's the woman once known only as Jane Rowe. We'll hear arguments in number 18, uh, Rowe against uh, Wade. Jane Rowe's story was a terrible one. She said she had been gang raped, gotten pregnant, was desperate to get an abortion. That's what everyone believed, as long as Jane Rowe remained anonymous. When she went public, she told a different story. The plaintiff in the court case that made abortion legal. 
Here we go, Miss Norma. And but now, she's having second thoughts. It's Norma McCourty. I'm also known as Jane Roe, the plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, Roe versus Wade, which legalized abortion in America and changed our nation in an unprecedented way. Back in 1973, I was a very confused 21-year-old with one child and facing an unplanned pregnancy. At the time, I fought to obtain a legal abortion, but the truth be told, I have three daughters and have never had an abortion. However, upon knowing God, I realized that my case, which legalized abortion on demand, was the biggest mistake of my life. Did they use you as a trophy? Of course. I was the big fish. Do you think they would say that you used them? Well, I think it was a mutual thing. You know, I took their money and they put me out in front of the cameras and told me what to say. And that's what I'd say. Wow. So they wrote the Supreme Court decision based partly based on her testimony that she was gang raped and this horrible thing happened and that horrible thing happened and how can you not feel sorry for this potential mom and we should grant her an abortion. That was the premise of the lawsuit back then, back in the early 70s, which led to the Supreme Court decision ruling in favor of an abortion. And like I said at the top of the hour, I think if it is rape related, I think that should be one of the exceptions, the no questions asked exceptions. So, but anyway, she says the whole thing was a lie and she was paid to say what she said. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she's coming forward 50 years later. So after the fact, after the fact, but I guess better late than never. Yeah, so I can't believe she admitted to that. You know, a lot of these people who have big, big secrets, Marilyn Monroe or Jackie Kennedy or all, you know, they take that secret to their grave. They don't say anything. So it's kind of interesting that she did say it, but good on her. Well, maybe she's thinking nobody would connect her to any of this at this time. Well, she was anonymous back then. I mean, nobody knew her face. Nobody knew her real name. Yeah, but... She came forward and she said her real name. And I guess she's like a woman of maybe about 70 by now, I would think, based on her picture. So, yeah, I mean, good for her. Huh, you live and learn. I tell you. Let me see if I see her picture. You tell me how old she is. I guess I could look it up. But anyway, it's, it's in the chat box over there. So I think she looks about 70 to me. I see it. Yeah. Jane Rowe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say you were right. Oh, here's what I want to talk about, too, which nobody talks about. And since I'm a men's rights advocate, you know how they always say that it's a woman's right to choose, woman's right to choose. Okay, so for nine months, you have to commit yourself. But, you know, you don't have to commit yourself forever. At the end of the birth, you could give it up for adoption or something like that, right? But the part that they don't talk about is that the man has to be responsible for that child for another 21 years or sometimes even more if the kid is going to college it's even more than that it's like 25 26 years old how do you feel about that that the guy has no say so in her decision to keep it or abort it and 
I know guys feel strongly about that one way or the other, and they have like no rights whatsoever. Sure, they donated the sperm, but maybe she has made a decision that you're not in agreement with. Maybe you want to keep the child. I think that depends on each individual situation. Mm -hmm. I think if a person is in the right situation with the right person, Mm -hmm. that's something that they're going to talk about themselves. Okay. And they're going to come to some sort of mutual agreement. I think that for men, that's going to be a problem when they're in a situation with a woman to where they're not connected in that way. Mm -hmm. If you're not connected with someone in that way, then all bets are off. Right. Everybody's going to make decisions based on their own best interests. I think right. two people who are in a reasonably healthy situation, that's something that they're going to decide together. I mean, right. that's how I see it. That's how I see it. Right. Now, but if it were a quickie and you don't really have that much of a connection with that person. Then the guy is just, he's going to end up getting what he gets. So in the end, this should give men more motivation. To be responsible, they should be more motivated to where they're part of this whole decision-making process, not not the abortion part, yeah, but the whole mating dance part, because there's, that can work. Now, for two people who want to keep their lines of communication open, who want to put all their cards on the table, I don't think anything that's going to happen that's going to surprise either one of them. Right. But like you said, with the whole, oh, the one night stand the quickie, whatever the case may be. All right, well, if you want to roll those dice, here's what you're looking at. Absolutely. And at that point, it just becomes a gamble. Yeah, but why is that a crap table that you want to be at? Maybe you don't want to pay for someone else's life for 21 years. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why men don't think this through a little bit better. And they even have vasectomies that are reversible. Just like a woman can freeze her eggs, whatever, there's that technology. Well, I mean, if you don't like condoms, and I know most men don't like condoms, but I mean, I guess you could read up on how to do the rhythm plan like the Catholics, (laughs) although that doesn't work all the time. But, you know, there are options there. And do you really just want to F around for the next 21 years? That's a long time. It's a long time for 15 seconds of enjoyment. Yeah, but like I said, though, this gives men the power in the whole beginning to kind of at least say their piece in terms of how they want the situation to go. What are we doing? Here's how I feel about if you get pregnant or if this happens, even though we take all the necessary precautions. This is where two people can open up those lines of communication and not get caught off guard by all of this. Right. And like I said before, it gives men the actual power to initiate these types of conversations before anything happens. Now, if they're not going to do it, if they're not going to say anything, if they're just in it for that just moment of instant gratification, now they're stuck, as you put it. 21, maybe up to 25 years. Now you're stuck. Right. You should have said something in the beginning. <laughs> before you lay it down. Yeah. When I was interviewing all those tens of thousands of men for my book, 
I think women don't look into the future. They don't look into who am I marrying? Who am I hooking up with? What are my offspring going to be like? They, they don't think that, but men do. Men always want to find a woman that ups their game. They want their offspring to do better than they, right? So they're always looking to the future. How can I make, how can my input make the next generation better? So they do think long range when choosing the woman with the exception of the contraception thing, they're not thinking that part through. I think a lot of men think that my seed relates to virility. And they always have to know that their seed works and that they're virile. So anyway, yeah, they think about it on so many men think about it on so many good levels of the future and making the next generation better than what they had. But with the exception of contraception, they either think it's not going to happen to me, we're not going to get pregnant, or they think of it as my seed is my virility, so I'm not messing with that. And that could very well be true. And that comes to bite you in the rear end, but yeah. they don't care because the virility thing is very important to most men. Hmm. And that's all the time we have left for today. I hope you've enjoyed our show on Overturned. And if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about the importance of Father's Day. In a 1991 study, an effect called the Father Effect revealed about a dozen benefits that an active, involved father has with their kids. We now know that fathers affect their children's lives pre-birth during birth, and even during infancy. The good news is that dads are now more involved than ever. Every day we keep learning more and more about the positive effects that dads can have. So, where do you find this show? Right here on Blog Talk Radio in the archives, or better yet, go to SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, and now on Spotify to listen to all seven years of my shows. Bye for now, and we'll catch you real soon.